Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It is the Palpably Unfair Podcast brought to you by the SB Nation NFL Show. I am your host, Michael Kist, and joining me, as always, Kyle Posey, first of his name, the unborn, king of the angels and the first men, breaker of chains, so on and so forth. Kyle, how you doing, brother? Doing well, man. We had a good weekend of football. Me and you made some prediction. All of them came true, so... (laughs) Feels good to be right once again, man. How's life? Oh, it's great, man, especially when we're as right as we are, especially about the Browns, which we're, we're going to get into that. And we have a loaded show for you today. And let's kind of set the table. First, we are going to go through some breaking news, which we'll get to as we're recording. This is actually dropping, but we're also going to talk about our top three uh, quarterback performances of the week. We'll also get to Kyle's defensive MVPs from the same slate, and then we're going to change it up a bit. We are going to go through each remaining playoff team and give fans without a dog in the fight something to watch by highlighting the top pending free agent from each of those playoff teams with thoughts on their upcoming matchups. So think of it as a viewing guide. If you're not one of these poor fans, white knuckle riding their team's roller coaster ride through the playoffs, we'll give you something to watch. As always, if you enjoy the show and what we're doing here, go to the SB Nation NFL show on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and review. Tell us nice things about my great co-host Kyle Posey and the rest of the all-star cast that we have assembled to get you through this wild NFL season. Also, if you haven't noticed yet, check out our daily kickoff that drops every weekday morning at 5 a.m., which will keep you up to date with all of the big headlines that you missed. That way you're caught up on everything to start your day. There's super quick listens, about five to eight minutes long, easily digestible, big news, small portions. Uh, but with that out of the way, we actually have some some big news That is not of a small portion. This is huge news for Chicago fans. Ryan Pace, the general manager, and Matt Nagy, the head coach of the Chicago Bears, are going to be retained. And what we heard was, who was it that had the press conference with the quote that they just needed better quarterback play and they were impressed with the job that Nagy and Pace have done? Uh, I am very much so less impressed. I understand that Nagy is sort of hamstrung, handcuffed by what they have at quarterback, but at the same time, nothing nothing he's done has impressed me since his first year there. Kyle? I have no idea because this all but ensures that Allen Robinson is going to walk. <laughs> why would he want to why would he want to come back to this? If you're gonna if you look at everything that you did on offense in 2020, you're like, you know what? That looked great. Let's do it again. <laughs> and that's not going to sell tickets. That's not going to get free agents to come to you. Just when you watch, especially just this last week. So we know that the Bears are handicapped on offense because their quarterback cannot make the the throws that he needs to make. A part of that, and while Mr. Trubisky is going to get a lot of flack, and rightfully so, Matt Nagy isn't making life any easier on him. Like That game was painful to watch. And 
<laughs> I, that game went down the drain as soon as I believe his whims, Mims, whatever his last name is, dropped Wims. that deep pass. Yeah. Uh, that was that was pretty brutal. But just after that, there was no flow in the offense. There was no David Montgomery. There was no easy throws to Allen Robinson. It was it was just painful to watch. And I just don't know what they're expecting to change because we have a good sample size of what Matt Nagy is as a play caller. And that is not you like your takeaways from a Matt Nagy offense aren't going to be very positive. So I'm not sure what the, when the chairman said he was impressed with the Bears. I'm not sure he was actually watching the Packers. Like, what was he doing? Where was he getting this information from? But bringing Nagy back is just a head scratcher. What, how do you feel about that? No, it's wild. It's wild. And, and, and to your point, yeah, like Trubisky can't read stick. So your offense is going to look kind of terrible. But at the same time, like I, I, I watched the, you know, uh, different quarterbacks this year make their offensive coordinator look bad, but you can see, you you can see what the offensive coordinator is trying to do. In the case of Matt Nagy, he was calling plays there and basically acting as an OC. It's hard to see what he's trying to do to make life easier on his quarterback too. So I think it works both ways there. So uh, surprise, Chicago fans, you got one more year at the very least of this stuff. But with that, with that out of the way, uh, let, let's get in to our top three quarterback performances of Super Wildcard Weekend. And we'll kind of look ahead here and there as well. Uh, number one for me, Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, and you know as well as anybody, Kyle, that these rankings are highly scientific, not arbitrary at all. Uh, but for this one, you just got to say, hey, he's really old, but he doesn't look nearly as old as some of these other washed quarterbacks that are desperately trying to hang on. Philip Rivers can't even get a Hail Mary to the end zone. <laughs> Drew Brees can't throw past 10 yards. You know, like all, all these guys, Big Ben can't move. So uh, I think it was incredibly impressive what Brady is doing at his age, of course, against Washington, 381 yards, two touchdowns, 18 of his 22 completions went for first downs. I don't have a big, long spiel on this one. We all saw Brady win over the milkshake duck, Tyler uh, Taylor Henneke, who was a real surprise in multiple ways. Uh, let's look ahead for a moment here at Buck Saints. Kyle, is this the shift with the Bucks that we talked about since the bye? Is it sticking? Because those being, by the way, those shifts being more play action, which led to 182 passing yards by itself against Washington, more pre-snap motion, and better answers against the blitz with quick game concepts and audibles. I think we saw all of that from Tampa Bay in this one. Is it enough that that consistency over, I think it's like five games now, to make you believe that this is who the Bucks are now? Because we've been really scared of the Bucks and their inconsistency. But can they reverse the result of their last two games against the Saints? Because, man, you look back to Week 9, 38-3 Saints? That's a butt whooping. That's not great. Kyle, how are you feeling about this one? I'm not sure because Washington, and while they are a good defense and they should deserve some credit for what they did in the 2020 season, they got into some single high looks. And whenever you do that against Tom Brady, you're just asking for it, man. He, he will manipulate your safety. Don't care who it is. He's going to make them look silly. And he did that against Washington. So I'm not so sure that the Saints will give him that opportunity. So look at who the Bucks have done this against. They did it against the Falcons. They did it against the Lions. They did it against the Falcons again. They did it against the Vikings. So um, I just have a hard time completely fully buying into what they're doing because you can still can see some of the cracks in the offense. And you can still see sometimes, you know, Brady is off. Their running game isn't their you know, isn't the same as, you know, quality running game in the NFL. So, right. I mean, I, th I do think their offensive line has gotten much better. You know, we're going to talk about Donovan Smith a little bit later. And obviously Tristan Wirfs is a stud, but 
I just think something is still off with him. And it, and it could be as simple as just force feeding the ball to Antonio Brown. And that I feel like that's going to happen against the Saints and it's going to get them in trouble. I, I do like what the Saints will be able to do against the Bucs just from confusing coverages, running just their little zone coverages underneath and not giving up the big play. So it's been impressive to, to see what Tampa Bay has done but I'm just not fully there yet to buy, to go all in. So I have picked in the Monday Football Monday pool that me and RJ Choa, RJ Choa and Pete Sweeney have, I have picked the Bucks. I am uh, really waffling on that one. I, I am not quite sure. So I'm going to want to hold off on that one, but you'll see it when RJ drops it before the weekend. Uh, my number two quarterback performance of the Super Wildcard Weekend, Josh Allen, man. The Bills got dominated in time of possession, still put up pretty uh, a pretty good offensive outing, and it, it sure wasn't due to the running game, which didn't do much of anything it was Josh Allen thrown for 324 yards two touchdowns also led the super wildcard slate in both next gen's completion percentage over expectation and PFF's adjusted completion percentage uh, if I'm highlighting one throw and there's a lot to pick from here the one that really popped for me was early in the game, the 36-yard bomb to Stephon Diggs, which is just ridiculous when you look at all the individual aspects of this. And this happened first quarter, 4.53 left. It's first and 10. Bills have Stephon Diggs as the inside slot out of trip. So he's the number three if we're numbering them. And he's going to get vertical and knife through this too high safety look from the Colts. And for starters... The Colts start off like it's single high and they rotate to their typical cover two shell post snap. Allen reads this, processes this, knows he has to hold the boundary safety. So he gives him a pump. And when he resets, I mean, Allen's feet are just a mess. It's not what you want at all. You're not showing this to any kids. Like he's almost got them parallel to the line of scrimmage and he has to generate enough torque to throw this 40 yards in the air. Uh, but to him, he's got the arm strength that it, it's just a flick. And this thing drops in with zero room to spare, which shows you how necessary the pump fake was. Uh, Diggs takes a shot from that safety trying to recover, but is able to hang on. And this is just a great example of Allen and his progression. It's post-snap processing. It's eye and body manipulation. It's arm strength. It's deep accuracy. Mechanics not always mattering, et cetera, et cetera. It's an absurd throw. And Kyle, up next, we have Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Two of your longtime favorite quarterbacks, of course. Are you doubling down on the Ravens after their defense stifled the Titans? Good call by you. And Lamar took over that game a little bit, by the way. Uh, are, 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 or are you Bills Mafia this week? Yeah, it's tough, man. Two of the best quarterbacks that have been in the NFL all season. Two of the best <laughs> quarterbacks that we have called yeah, all yeah. their careers. Feels good <laughs> to be right once again. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sticking with the Ravens, man. And just to go back to Josh Allen real quick the mustard that he can get on these throws without Crazy. having his feet set. Like that is not fair. Roger Goodell should do something about that in the <laughs> off season, because if I'm in the AFC East and I have to go against that twice a year, I'm just kicking myself because he can make just unbelievable plays. And Lamar, who is no stranger to making plays himself. I just think that the, the Ravens aggressiveness is just going to overwhelm the bills. And, and that's probably mm -hmm. not fair to say just because Josh Allen has been able to overcome so much. And I, when you broke down this play just now, it reminded me of a couple of weeks ago when we talked about what he did to Diggs against the Patriots when he's just flowing back, essentially backpedaling, throwing fadeaways. It's just <laughs> so he's going to have to make a lot of those throws again against the Ravens. The question is, will he be able to? The Ravens do have a much better secondary because they have playmakers in the secondary and they are a bit faster than the Colts. So I think that their blitz scheme is going to be able to cause more problems. And then it comes down to the Bills being able to get stops. And I think the Bills will not be able to score in the same capacity where the Ravens will be able to. So I'm going to ride with Lamar once again. 
great season, Bills Mafia. Don't get mad at me. I am not the one who is the reason that you're going to lose, but I'm sorry that you have to find out this way. Yeah, that, okay. So I'm going to take the Bills in, yeah, in this one. Tell me do, why. I do think it's close. And I, and I will give you, you, you some credit on, on this because I thought what the Ravens did to the Titans, and the Titans looked hot early on in that game, and they were scoring. The adjustments – that the Ravens defense made, especially, you know, they had the slot fade to the, the slot fade now type concept where A.J. Brown kind of muscled Marlon Humphrey in the end zone for the first touchdown. You saw them try to go back to that later on, and the Ravens just passed that coverage off. They they made so many great adjustments in this game to really slow them down. So the Bills might start out hot, and then life might start to get difficult for them. So I think they need to put up points quickly. When they get into the red zone early in the game, they need to take advantage of that because the Ravens are going to be fantastic at adjusting to what the Bills want to do. I have a lot of faith in Brian Dable, though, so I'm sticking with my guy and Josh Allen. So that's that's my reasoning there, and, and I know you kind of you understand that. I understand the pitfalls that the Bills offense is definitely facing, but let, let's get to another game here. My number three quarterback performance of the Super Wildcard Weekend was Baker Mayfield. And and look, maybe he should be higher because of the surrounding circumstances here and the fact that Baker brought the Browns their first playoff win since the formation of the universe. I get that, and I won't take anything away from it either. Baker was exactly what he needed to be in this one, threw for 263 yards, four touchdowns. Every time they needed a big play, he made it. No picks, no picks that allowed the Steelers to claw their way even closer because I know I started to get that. I had I had no dog in this fight. I got the sinking feeling that this was going to start to get away from them. I know Bears fans had to be in agony for the duration of this thing, no matter the score. Uh, Kyle, we thought this was a team last week when we talked about everything with COVID and Stefanski. We thought they were cursed. They were doomed. But they come out and trounce the Steelers. Can they defy the odds against the uh, against the Chiefs? It's just uh, either way. I mean, it's just incredibly impressive what they were able to do in these circumstances. Yeah, I think when you factor in who they were missing, not just from a coaching standpoint, but on their offensive line and how they really couldn't get their running game going. So Nick Chubb was only successful on 28% of his carries. That is a big deal. Like, that's who the Browns are. They want to establish the run and they want to get you to that play action, get to that, those second level routes. And Baker has to avoid only the 20, Only 27 yards off play action in this game, Kyle. Most of it was from straight dropbacks. That's that's wild. It's not, not what you expect. And to be fair to him, he was hitting Rashard Higgins on a few of those throws, and he should catch those passes, and he yeah. has caught those passes all season. So, yeah, Baker was even more impressive just when we add more and more context. Will he be able to do the same against the Chiefs? So he is go- the Chiefs, their defense, eh. Hot, cold. Yeah, I think meh is the best way to describe it. But they have playmakers. And so Tyron Matthew is going to be able to make plays. Chris Jones is going to get in those throwing lanes and bat those passes in the air. And when those happen, when that happens, that's usually bad things happen to the offense. So um, I'm not so sure that Baker will be able to keep it up and, you know, play another mistake-free game. I just – I've seen him in the pocket way too long when he's under, you know, duress. And I'm just not sure that he's going to be able to – you know, score 30 against the Chiefs because that's probably what he's going to have to do. And that's not fair to him, but that's just the real life situation when you have the quarterback who the Chiefs have. With the rest that the Chiefs have had, getting everybody healthy, Andy Andy Reid coming off uh, an extended bye where he is always fantastic. And I think that's when you really tell the difference between coaches and how much their coaching matters. Uh, Andy Reid, just spectacular uh, in those circumstances. You just wonder, are they the team that can't cover all season for some reason and keep it close? Because in that case, any weird bounce of a ball 
can happen. Shout out to Ernest Biner. Okay, so that's our top three <laughs> quarterbacks. Sorry, Browns fans I had to throw that in there. That's our top three quarterback performances of the week. Let's switch sides. Let's go to the defense. Every week, Kyle gives his uh, top three defensive MVPs of the week, and we go through all three levels of the defense. Who impressed you in the trenches last weekend? So it's a name that you probably have not heard of. He is the best player in the NFL, Aaron Donald. Oh, he terrorized the Seahawks, but he terrorizes <laughs> everybody. He had a couple of third down sacks. He had six total pressures on the day including three stops. His run defense was sensational as always. I mean, they get him so many one-on-ones. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how teams have not figured out, you know, what the Rams are doing. But whatever, wherever he lines up, it seems like he's just going to be disruptive. He was a monster. Staley just does a really good job of blitzing to get Donald one-on-ones. Yes. And I don't feel like we need to spend a lot of time on Aaron Donald because he is very good. He is going to continue to be very good. And the Packers are going to have their hands full with Donald this Sunday. Yeah, I'm fascinated by this Rams-Packers matchup with the Packers offense against the Rams defense. RJ Cho had asked me on Monday, what are you most looking forward to as far as games-wise? And I said, just unit versus unit. Yeah. Let's see what the Packers offense can do against the Rams. Let's see if Rams, uh, the Rams defense can really confuse Rodgers and bog them down because I do think that's a legitimate reality no matter what you know the Rams have going on at quarterback it could be a weird one who do you have at the second level of the defense as far as your defensive MVPs from the wildcard weekend so I'm actually staying in this game for all of my picks each of my picks I'm staying <laughs> with Bobby Wagner who did everything he could to distract you from Russell Wilson's terrible <laughs> outing why he continues to get passes when he doesn't play well is beyond me but that is a whole other tangent that I am not going to go down. Wagner finished with 15 tackles. Eight of those were stopped. So he's living around the line of scrimmage. He's making plays. And he's done that all season. Wagner is known for taking away routes and coverage and kind of shutting down the middle of the field for the Seahawks. He did that. That never changes. But he actually got after the passer a little bit. Seattle rushed Wagner three times and he pressured the QB twice. And he also had a sack. It was another just great all-around performance, ho-hum from a linebacker that's just not ready to pass the torch yet. It's fun seeing smart players play football and, you know, play guessing routes or not so much guessing, but just taking away routes because they're prepared, you know, jumping on the Rams wide zone action and that sort of thing. So he was he was everywhere, man. He's a, he's a fun player to watch. You mentioned Russ, and, and I, I'm going to ask you something that's entirely unfair, but I'm going to make you choose. Did Russ get Brian Schottenheimer fired? Or was Brian Schottenheimer responsible for Russ's downturn in play in the second half of the season? Yeah, you can't put this on the offensive coordinator. And it's easy to do that just because, you know, somebody has to take the fall. And you're not going to fire Russell Wilson. You're not going to trade Russell Wilson. You're not going to move on from your franchise quarterback. But in November, the Seahawks, there was an article that came out that the Seahawks are going to let Russell Wilson have more of a hand in the play calling. Look at Russell Wilson's numbers the first half of the season and then look at Russell Wilson's numbers since November. They have not been good. Even if you didn't know his numbers, watch how he plays and you would just you would not know that you were watching one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL just because he does not seem comfortable. He doesn't seem like his processes are correct. When you watch what he did against the Rams, it was off. I feel like saying that he was awful is going to come off as a hot take, but that's that's just weird. Yeah, we're calling it how it is, and we have done that all season. And no matter if you are Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, or if you are Mitch Bortles, it does not matter. We are going to call you out for how you play. So I, I believe there was about five to six plays in that game specifically where Russell Wilson has an open receiver. He has time in the pocket. He's not going to the right place with the ball. 
that's not the offensive coordinator's fault. They, they they had success running the ball, and people want to let Russ cook. He can't. You cannot let him throw the ball if he's not going to the correct spot with the football, man. And the Rams dared time and time again to make him throw the ball over the middle of the field. They had 11 defenders outside of the hashes, and I may or may not be exaggerating, but that's what it felt like to take away, you know, their deep shots. And while the one-handed catches from Tyler, uh, Tyler Lockett and, the, you know, every deep pass here and there looks great, the scramble drill to DK mm-hmm. Metcalf on the touchdown, those are not sustainable. That That's not how you win in the NFL, and that's what Seattle's relying on. And the Rams were cool with giving those plays up because they knew Russ could not hurt them over the middle. That's what happened, and that's why we are here. Shadi does not have a job anymore. Thanks, Russ, for getting him fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, when you look at Russ, the, the, obviously the, the the magic is always going to be there with those unsustainable type plays, right? The deep ball is always going to be pretty. The scramble plays are always going to be useful to an offense that's that's bogged down when it's not there. I really feel like like quarterback height has been, but people with the take that he was too short is kind of vindicated or at least validated in their concerns because I do think because of his height, he has trouble reading the middle of the field. I mean, it's very obvious that that he is just missing guys over the middle. Maybe that's because he can't see them. And at the very least, he's not taking the checkdowns and getting to the checkdowns that he needs to get to. He holds on to the ball forever looking for these shots that were not there against the Rams. So there's something in his process, something in his vision that has that 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 went wrong. And that got exposed by a really good defensive coordinator. He is human. Those things can happen. Quarterbacks have deficiencies. I think the biggest difference between, you know, sub six feet quarterbacks, six feet quarterbacks, we'll call them, even though we we both know Breeze and Wilson are probably not six feet anyway. Um, Breeze and Wilson. So Breeze knows where all of his receivers are. And he showed that on Sunday where he's going through his reason at the last minute. He'll check down to the running back in the flat. Russ is not doing that. He is just all over the map. When you just watch, if you just watch the end zone view and watch his helmet, he is looking every way possible and none of them seem like the right direction to go to. So (laughs) I think just based on the process and based on knowing coverages, understanding how to manipulate coverages and moving into the pocket, we saw the difference between, you know, a a quality to just quality quarterbacks, Russell Wilson and Drew Brees and, and man, uh, I, it, it's it been standing out over the last couple months since, you yeah. know, there, this movement of let Russ cook has been happening, but more so than ever on Saturday, I think it, the warts just really showed. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. And uh, Pete Carroll owning Seahawks Twitter by saying we got to be better. We got to be better <laughs> with the run game. I, 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 you know, I, I'm a guy that said let Russ cook, but I mean, there you hit a certain point where you have to change things up and and they did not do that. So, OK, Kyle, third level of defense. Let me guess. You said you were sticking with this game. Is it my boy Darius Williams? Because the pick six, come on now. Yeah, Darius Williams had a pick six, and he's not the cornerback who I was most impressed Ooh. with. So Williams has been phenomenal this year. He's yeah. been a top ten quarterback, and that's if you ignore you know who he's who's on the other side of the field with him and Aaron Donald. He has really been that good. But it's a playoff, so we're going to give the best players their due. And when you can take away a 6'4", 230-pound receiver who runs a 4-3-3, you are going to be on this list every freaking time. Jalen Ramsey, man, what he can do to these receivers is you just don't see that. So Ramsey was targeted six times. He allowed three receptions. He broke up the pass against DK in the end zone. It just seems like every time he's challenged, he he just rises his game. We know Jalen Ramsey is a superstar 
and he's one of the best cornerbacks in the league. But that doesn't mean we can't be impressed when he has shut down performances like this against some of the top receivers. So that pass breakup that I mentioned where he flew in the air, it looked like he was flying slow-mo in the air, which was pretty awesome. Um, yeah. Okay, so he did that against DK Metcalf. Great. Now he's going to have to do that against Devontae Adams. Go get him, slugger. Good luck. <laughs> The if there's one, if there's one shutdown corner that can do it in the league because those don't exist anymore. But Jalen Ramsey is right. about the closest doggone thing that you're going to get, right? Yeah, he can guard DK Metcalf. He can turn around and guard Devontae Adams, and he can turn around and guard like Ty Hilton. He can guard any side receiver, any speed receiver. Which is, yeah, Honestly. those don't those don't exist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I watched Darius Slay, who's a darn good corner, just have fits with DK Metcalf. So trust me, I, I understand you on that one. All right. When we come back here on the Palpably Unfair podcast, we are going to get into the top pending free agent from every playoff team and kind of give you a little preview of their of their matchup. That's coming up next here on the SB Nation NFL show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back here on the Palpably Unfair podcast. Michael Kist here with Kyle Posey. And as we promised, we went through our top three quarterback performances of the wildcard weekend. We also hit up our defensive MVPs. And now it's time to do something a, a little different. We're going to do something new. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through each playoff team. We're going to talk about the top pending free agent that they have and kind of preview their matchup. Just like a viewing guide, if you don't have a, a, a dog in these fights, Something to watch for your team if you're in a, a position of need or whatever the case may be. I'm going to take the AFC. Kyle is going to take the NFC, and we're going to bounce it back and forth. I'll start. I'll start with the Buffalo Bills, and I'm going to go with their top pending free agent, Matt Milano, the linebacker. Now, some qualifications here. He has only played 31% of the Bills' defensive snaps this year. Injuries is the big red flag for him. The former fifth-round pick has dealt with bad hammies, a broken fibula, more hammies. 
a left pectoral strain suffered this season that has limited his time on the field. So it's a lot of soft tissue stuff that kind of scares me. But when he's out there, he is a three down backer. He excels in coverage. You put him up against tight ends, running backs. He fares well in zone. He holds up pretty well when getting connected to slot receivers entering his zones. The weakness for him is in the run game, specifically tackling. So you're going to want to pair him with the right guy in the box. But I think you see a difference in the Bills defense when he's in there as opposed to when he's not. And that's really all you can ask for. Chances are he's back in Buffalo. But if he hits the market, I can see teams putting aside the injury history and taking a solid swing at a decent value. Probably, I mean, he's probably going to be something around the, the 10 mil type mark average per year. Uh, that's if he sticks with Buffalo, maybe a little bit higher if he initiates a bidding war on the market. Uh, let's see if he's able to not look like a fool against Lamar in the open field. I think that's priority number one for him. Also, he's going to have, if you really want to see his coverage chops, he's going to see tight end Mark Andrews a lot. So keep an eye out for that matchup. Switching over to Kyle, who is your first guy from the NFC? Yeah, I'm going to go with... So I'm going to go to Tampa Bay, and I'm not going to talk about their second-best linebacker on their team. So it has to be Chris Godwin. Uh, Yeah, Levante David shot in there. Uh, The perfect landing spot for him, and we kind of just talked about this, would probably be Seattle, I feel like. So Russell Wilson needs a big slot receiver. Like I feel like that will take his game, and and obviously he doesn't need to take his game to the next level. That'll take Seattle's offense to another level because, as you mentioned, as people are starting to figure out, height matters at QB, and they need somebody who can work over the middle, and that is not going to be DK Metcalf just for physics reasons. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, you're not giving him like option routes. That doesn't suit his game, right? Right. That's not who he is, and that's that's fine. Like he's very good at what he does, but that's not. He's not a just a receiver that you would trust over the middle so godwin could be wilson's big slot that they so desperately need since as we mentioned russ can't see over the line of scrimmage godwin had 65 catches this year for 840 yards and it felt like he was a forgotten guy once you know tampa started to force feed the ball to ab and i I do wonder if that kind of impacts his free agency so godwin's 24 he did miss four games this year and he missed two last year he's going to go up against an aggressive Saints secondary that does feature marshawn Lattimore and janoris jenkins but Godwin spends most of his time in the slot in the middle. So week one, most of his damage came against Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and DJ Swearinger. That didn't change in week nine. So maybe Godwin is going to be penalized this free agency for being a slot receiver. That's something to keep an eye on. Godwin has lined up 431 snaps in the slot this season compared to 274 snaps out wide. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of just fascinated to see what Godwin's market is who he's interested in and just, you know, he's a 24-year-old receiver who has who has a thousand-yard receiver, a thousand-yard season under his belt. So he's going to have plenty of suitors. I just want to see where he ends up. I think Baltimore should be one of those suitors. I mean, you look Ooh, at yeah. Allen Robinson, you look at Chris Godwin going there. I think that would be fantastic uh, for the Baltimore offense if they were able to land him. Don't hate the spot with Seattle either as far as uh, having a big slot there. I think Godwin makes just about any uh, offense better. Maybe Chicago you know, is able to bounce back from the loss of Allen Robinson by going and grabbing Chris Godwin. At that point, you kind of have to because you really right. don't have much else uh, there in Chicago to help your quarterback out. Let, let's go back to the AFC. We'll go with the Baltimore Ravens. Speaking of them, uh, this was between, for me, their top pending free agent, uh, Yannick and Gaukway and Matt Judon. And I'm going to lean towards Ngakwe here. 
and I'm not even sure that I always never know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but you guys know who I'm talking about, Yannick, right? Uh, yeah. and, and look, I think he's been a bit of a, uh, a disappointment this season uh, in terms of pressure rate where he ranks uh, towards the middle of the pack, but he still has eight sacks on the year. I love, love, love the athletic profile with the speed and the bend. I want that screaming off the edge from a wide alignment on third down. I'm terrified of him against the run. Uh, so I think he's more of a specialist, but he's not going to get paid like that. He's going to command over 15 mil a year. But I don't know if it will be with Baltimore because Baltimore has no issues letting pass rushers just walk. And they still generate a pass rush, maybe because they run engage eight half the time anyway. So <laughs> I, I like I like the player. I don't love the player. I think he gets overpaid and some fan base is going to be in love with him in, in the offseason. But ultimately, I think they're going to be disappointed. And maybe I'm wrong because in the right situation, maybe he thrives in that wide role on a team that's constantly operating with a lead. But I've got concerns. So he's going up against Bills tackle Deion Dawkins, who did not allow a single pressure in the Bills wildcard tilt against the Colts. So that should be a fun one to watch. Kyle, who you got for me next? We're going to the Packers center Corey Lindsley, who is just a flat-out stud. He was an all-pro, and he deserved it. And there are plenty of guys who didn't deserve it, but Lindsley is one. Over the Caps valuation for Lindsley is – just north of $8 million, which, you know, LOL, yeah, right. I don't feel like that's going to be what he's going to make based on how he's played, especially yeah. this season. So Lindsley's blown block percentage per Sports Info Solutions was 0.6 in 2020. So to put that in context, just let's pick a random center. Let's say Eagle center Jason Kelsey. Yeah. Uh, his, his blown block percentage was double that, which is still very good. But that just tells <laughs> you how well Lindsley was this past season. I'm not sure how often Lindsey will go up against Aaron Donald this this week just because, you know, they do a good job of getting him in wide alignments at times and just getting a head start, getting, mm. you know, making him even more unfair than he actually is. But yeah. Lindsey will have his hands full just with the Rams in general. They love to twist. They love to stunt, get the, their Tom calls up front. And overall, they have athletes all over that are going to be blitzing. So Lindsey is going to have to earn that all pro tag. And I, I'm he's just an enjoyable watch. He's a very, very good player. And he is going to break the bank. Hopefully he ends up in San Francisco for obvious reasons, but I, I'm not sure where he's going to end up. Whoever gets Lindsley, even if the Packers don't you know, retain him, because for the longest, you know, under Ted Thompson, they, they didn't retain their free agents. So watching what Lindsley commands and watching where he lands will be fun. Yeah, and the Packers also have Aaron Jones uh, uh, being a pending, pending free agent there, but I think Lindsley matters more to that team than Jones. Obviously, probably fantasy players would disagree, but that's something for the football cheat sheet later this week. Let, let's go to the Kansas City Chiefs. I think their top pending free agent is wide receiver Sammy Watkins. Uh, this certainly hasn't been the career many projected for the former uh, fourth overall pick of the Buffalo Bills, but he still carved out a pretty solid career for himself and, ma and made some money, uh, maybe <laughs> wrongfully. So last year, he put up 961 yards and four touchdowns while averaging 14.6 yards of reception. Uh, this year, those, those numbers are down. He suffered a hamstring injury in week five. He's also currently coming back from a calf injury suffered in week 16 against the Falcons. So he does have some things working against him. But, I mean, he's got some things working in his favor. So it works both ways. And what may work in his favor is something that uh, if you track this, like his body of postseason work, he had a big game, big game for the Chiefs against New England in 2018 in the postseason. He had at least 76 yards in the three postseason outings for the Chiefs during the Super Bowl run. He's only turning 28 years old this summer, so he's got some good football left in him. 
I'm not the biggest fan of his, but I still think he can be a decent number two option for a thirsty team. Uh, I'm not sure I paid more than six million a year for him, but I think some team is going to be desperate enough to pay him $10 million a year. We have seen crazier things happen. Shout out to Dante Moncrief. Uh, I think he could be uh, primed for another solid postseason outing against the Browns. His projected matchup being uh, cornerback Robert uh, Jackson. Of course, the Browns look like they are, I think it's just broke today that they're getting back Denzel Ward. Um, if it is Jackson, because obviously Ward, you probably want on Tyree Kill or whatever the case may be. Watkins may be the guy that you target in this one. So keep an eye on that one. Kyle, you're up. Just real quick on Watkins. It feels yeah. like Watkins in the NFL for a decade seriously <laughs> for him for him to only turn 28 just doesn't make sense so yeah. real quick he has never played a full season he played he p- appeared in 10 games this year 14 the year before 10 and 18 15 was his career high in 2017 with the Rams yeah. and then eight with the Bills and 13 eight with the Bills in 16 and 13 with the Bills in 15 like he, he, he's been the same player, it feels like, every year, but there's it's Sammy Watkins still. And that's why he's going to continue to get chances until he turns 40, probably, because he's Sammy Watkins. So, um, was, was it a foot injury that derailed his career early and maybe sapped some of that explosiveness? Am I remembering that correctly? I, I don't know the exact injury, but it was a lower body injury. And he did okay. miss some time with a foot injury because he was very explosive once upon a time. He could run with anybody. So yeah. that's a good point. We should We should – for fairness, we should point that out. I am going to the Saints, and I'm going to Trey Trey Hendrickson. So we've Ooh, talked yeah. about him a couple of times on this show throughout the season. Hendrickson was phenomenal this season. He, he led the NFL in sacks, 13 and a half sacks, and that was tied with some Aaron Donald guy. He also had 30 QB hits. And Brandon Thorne on Twitter does a really good job of just digging into the quality of these sacks. Hendrickson had 13 sacks, but Brandon only had three of those as high quality, meaning he only beat his man three times, where five of those were low quality. So he's taking whether it's four seconds to get a sack or Or tight end is blocking him. Right. And the quarterback's running into him. So he also had two cleanup sacks. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on if that affects his free agency market, because we've seen plenty of times in the offseason where um, you know, NFL teams just look at sack totals and reward guys for that. And it always feels like it comes back to bite them. So Hendrickson is going to break the bank this offseason and he's a good player. And I don't want to take that away from, you know, those sack totals away from him because he did make plenty of plays this year. And to be fair, he's young. He was just drafted in 2017. He's productive. He's athletic and he plays with high energy. So uh, this week, the Saints have done a good job of moving Hendrickson around. And I don't think we're going to see him against uh, Tristan Wirfs. So that's advantage Trey Hendrickson because you don't want to go against Tristan Wirfs because to be fair, he might have been an all-pro snub, which for a rookie is just unreal. But um, So remember, Lindsley's blown block percentage was 0.6. Trey Hendrickson is going to line up on the right side. That's where he has all season. So he's going to go against uh, Donovan Smith, who has a blown block percentage of 3.1, but he's been much, much better down the stretch. So I think mm. Hendrickson is going to have his handful a little bit this ga- this game, whether it's going against Smith, whether it's occasionally lining up against Worth, or when he kicks inside. So um, I don't know what what Hendrickson's market Hendrickson's market will be this offseason. He's going to get paid because he's a young edge rusher. Maybe he gets tagged. I'm not sure what the Saints uh, situation is there, but just a really, really good player that deserves to even be mentioned in this line. Uh, yeah, I got in this, uh, wh- who you got? 
So I, I, I liked him there at uh, at the the Shrine Bowl. It was a great job by the the Saints identifying that and getting somebody who was a later round pick to to develop like he has. They did a fantastic job, and they also have a couple other pending free agents. Of course, Jameis Winston is on a one year deal. And the safety, I think, is really underrated. Marcus Williams, his contract is expiring as well and definitely would have been something, somebody to talk about there. So keep an eye on him. For the Cleveland Browns, you mentioned him before, uh, Richard Higgins, right? Hollywood Higgins, baby. Uh, I, I do think this would have been Olivier Vernon had he not ruptured his uh, Achilles. And that's I'll admit I'm not the biggest fan of Vernon. And that's not to say he's not good. He's solid enough both as a pass rusher and against the run. But uh, I could never get on board with the Giants paying Vernon that ridiculous five-year, $85 million contract because he's just never going to be the feature pass rusher. Now he's going to be turning 31 next year coming off that Achilles. So I will go with the wide receiver, Richard Hollywood Higgins. And I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of others you could argue for in this range, but I'm sticking with Higgins for the hell of it. Uh, nobody on the Browns has profited more from the injury to Odell than Hollywood. In 13 games and six starts, he's got 37 receptions, 599 yards, four touchdowns. He was quiet against the Steelers. You mentioned the drops, which is kind of uncharacteristic for him. Two catches, 28 yards. He's probably going to see plenty of Chiefs cornerback Rashad Breland this weekend. So, if you're in the, like the three to five million dollar swing range for depth at wide receiver, maybe your pockets are a little tight. Uh, key in on that matchup and see if Hollywood is your type because he's definitely not the flashiest, but I think he does well enough to get open. As such, he's tied for 23rd among wide receivers in yards per route run per PFF. That's not bad at all. And I'll tell you this: I certainly prefer him to Demarcus Robinson of the Chiefs who was also on a one-year deal that expires at the end of the season. I remember the Eagles sniffing around Robinson last cycle, and after watching his film, let me tell you, was not on board at all, and I think I've been uh, proven <laughs> correct there. So maybe that's another guy to, to watch. To maybe you think I'm wrong. But, Kyle, that wraps up uh, our, uh, our eight teams from the divisional round going through all the pending free agents and all that stuff. Kyle is waving his hands. Do we have breaking news, Kyle? Uh, nope. Just have one more guy to go over. I know That's right. you have one not more your team. strong suit, but <laughs> <laughs> um, real quick, though, uh, Rashard yeah. Higgins, very good player. He has not had a drop in the past two seasons. So what we saw this past week is not indicative of who he is right. as a player. So I'm glad you mentioned him because he is he's not going to, you know, wow you with speed or wow you with, you know, ankle breaking routes, but he gets open and he makes tough catches. So because we saw those couple drops last week, like we don't want to paint the picture that he has bad hands or he cannot yeah. catch. I do have a safety from the Rams. And the reason that I did not pick Marcus Williams because I was going with a safety, who I feel like is just a tick better. John Johnson from the Rams has been outstanding this season. To me, he's been one of the top safeties in the league. I don't know if top five, but he's definitely top 10. Johnson allowed only one touchdown on 41 targets. He had nine pass breakups. And maybe most impressively, he had an average depth of tackle at 5.8 yards. So he's making plays around the line of scrimmage. He also made plays deep, though. So at 25, he, you know, you figure he's going to be in store for a hefty pay increase this offseason because the Rams are in salary cap hell. They can't do much of anything thanks to their number one overall pick who has just been lighting it up. So Johnson, he could match up against Robert Tunyon this weekend. But I think his biggest matchup is going to be against Aaron Rodgers' eyes. He might be manipulated. Rodgers has a is doing just a very good job all season of just moving the secondary with his eyes over the over the cap projects Johnson to make around eight million in the offseason. I feel like with his age and the position that he plays, he's probably going to command more than that. But just 
the lasting impression you always want to be. Like, that's what football minds are going to remember. How would you play against Aaron Rodgers? So Johnson has an opportunity to make himself some cash this week, and I'm looking forward to it. I think he's he's a very good player. All right, so was that eight teams? Do we, do we, that was that was the full eight? You're not gonna- <laughs> it was so based on who we started with, <laughs> yes, that is eight. Glad right. we worked that bad boy out. So we we did we did the thing. We covered the eight playoff uh, playoff teams remaining, their top pending free agents, their matchups, their outlook, their possible money and landing spots, all that stuff. We talked about some quarterbacks and defensive MVPs. So we did the thing here on the Palpably Unfair podcast. Remember, if you enjoyed the show, subscribe, rate, review. You know the drill. I'm going to stop begging. We're going to get out of here. We'll catch you next time here on the Pupcast. Go dominate and have yourselves a day.